The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very warm welcome, everybody. You're watching Sportbox in your headlines. The Federal Reserve says it's time to taper, announcing plans to ease back on its huge pandemic-era stimulus and slow its monthly bond buying from this month while dismissing any calls for a rate hike. What it really boils down to is something that's common sense, and that is risk management. We have to, we have to be aware of the risks that we're particularly now the risk of significantly higher inflation. We see uh, shortages and uh, bottlenecks persisting into next year. The Bank of England is the next to announce, potentially set to hike rates in the face of surging inflation. But with analysts suggesting the vote is likely to be split, some policymakers may prefer to wait until December. Tune in for our Decision Time coverage at 1300 Central European Time and then a special interview with Governor Andrew Bailey at 1700 CET. Credit Suisse warns of a net loss in the fourth quarter as it announces a new group strategy, reorganizing the business into four separate divisions under a new leadership structure. And Sockgen's third quarter net profit is up 80% amid a declining cost of risk as the French lender announces the departure of its finance chief. Volkswagen shares slump amid reports a key board committee is discussing the future of CEO Herbert Diess after he reportedly warned up to 30,000 jobs could go in the German automaker's EV push. just uh, giving a very warm welcome back to London for Juliana back from Glasgow. How was it? Thank you so much. It was surreal. It was amazing. So many people in the room were leaders and corporate leaders. It was just so much buzz and it was really just amazing to be in a place with so many people before all the climate change stuff. Well, I've been on my lonesome all week, so nice <laughs> to have some company back in the London studio. Very here. happy to be back. Let's, let's talk about the big story then. The Federal Reserve will begin tapering its $120 billion per month bond buying program from this month, marking the first pullback of its pandemic relief package. From this month, the Fed will cut its asset purchases by $15 billion per month amid progress towards its goals for the U.S. economy. Meanwhile, it's keeping to its line on high inflation, but with a subtle difference, now saying it is, quote, expected to be transitory and still shrugging off calls for an imminent rate hike. The market now pricing in a rate rise by autumn of next year and employment was one of the key issues uh, that Jay Powell mentioned. Speaking after the Fed committee's decision, the chairman said the central bank was ready to adjust the pace of tapering depending on the U.S. economic outlook. If the economy evolves broadly as expected, we judge that similar reductions in the pace of net asset purchases will likely be appropriate each month, implying that increases in our securities holdings would cease by the middle of next year. 
That said, we are prepared to adjust the pace of purchases if warranted by changes in the economic outlook. And even after our balance sheet stops expanding, our holdings of security, securities will continue to support accommodative financial conditions. Let's take a look at market reaction to that Fed policy decision. Interestingly, we saw U.S. stock markets hit fresh record highs yesterday. So equity investors cheering what they heard. We got the NASDAQ, the tech heavy index rising about 1%, the S&P 500 about six tenths of a percent higher, and the Dow Jones rose about 105 points on the day. Turning to the Treasury market, the reaction was actually fairly muted. And that's an interesting question we'll explore later in the show. One of the big questions heading into the press conference yesterday was to what extent Fed Chair Jerome Powell pushed back against market pricing of rate hike expectations. This has been a question facing all policymakers, uh, central bankers in the developed world of late. So let's take a look at where we stand this morning. The U.S. 10-year note trading with a 1.6% yield over on the front end, the two-year trading at around 0.47%. But as I said, plenty more time to analyze the market reaction a little bit later in the show. Jeff? Terrific. Thank you so much. We'll come back and obviously we'll talk some more about the Fed as we go through the morning as we set up for the Bank of England here. But we've got a lot of financial results to get through. So SockGen has launched a 470 million euro share buyback program. This as the bank saw its third quarter net income nearly double compared to the same period last year, which was a beat thanks to a strong performance in its investment bank. The French financial giant boosted by a more than 50% jump in equity trading revenue. SockGen has also confirmed the departure of its deputy general manager and head of finance, uh, William Kadush Chaseng, who is on his way out after 14 years with the bank. The finance chief assumed his latest uh, position in 2020 after initially joining in 07. According to the French newspaper Les Echos, he is set to join the investment company Eurasio. He'll be replaced by deputy CFO Claire Dumas. Uh, Credit Suisse third quarter net profit slid 20% on the year to 434 million Swiss francs. The bank also warning of a net loss in the fourth quarter as it announced a major strategic overhaul. From January, the group will be reorganized into four separate divisions, wealth management, investment banking, Swiss bank and asset management under a new leadership structure, which has yet to be announced. So uh, a resumption of a capital distribution program through dividends and the launch of a share buyback program in October. The message from ING on their third quarter results, the group net result in at 1.36 billion euros. The uh, result before tax, 1.924 billion euros with a CT1 ratio of 15.8%. Let's bring in uh, Tanata Futrakal, who is the CFO of ING. Good to have you back with us on the program. Um, obviously, there are some, some real positive lines in this announcement this morning. How does the bank feel about the numbers you've delivered on the quarter? Hi, good morning. Uh, I think we're very pleased with the numbers. I think we're exiting quite nicely from the COVID situation. We're beginning to grow our uh, primary customer at a higher pace than before. Our fee growth are very strong at 20% up year on year. Risk costs are modest the way we see things and our capital are strong. So really a, a solid quarter. We're very pleased with it. From you on impairments and also whether you think uh, you're overcapitalized with a CET1 ratio at 15.8%. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I think despite uh, since the dividend ban uh, coming off and that we are paying about um, 1.8 billion euros in dividend uh, in October, where, as you know, in the middle of a share buyback uh, during this period that runs until the end of Q1 uh, next year. Even with that, we're still standing quite at quite a cap- high capital level compared to our targeted approximately 12.5% capital level. So I think we are going to make uh, a convergence from that 15.8 to around 12.5 over the coming period. Sir, can you give us a sense of how you're doing on the cost front and what the outlook is for further cost cuts? Yeah, I think this quarter, if you compare to uh, previous uh, year, we're down about 1.3%. Uh, the cost evolution is, is going well. We intend to continue to focus on cost efficiency and bring costs further down. And I think, um, you know, the trajectory of the cost is clear. We are gradually bringing costs down in line with our expectations. Going well on the cost front. What about on the growth front? What are you seeing in terms of lending patterns? And how are you thinking about 2022 growth rates? Yes, I think in terms of uh, lending growth uh, in the retail bank, uh, things are normalizing quite quickly. We see that in mortgages, the level of growth is matching pre-COVID times. Consumer lending is coming strong. Business banking is still a little bit patchy and there's some volatility in the wholesale bank. But I think we're quite confident that over the coming period, we will resume growth at around three to four percent per annum kind of loan growth across uh, you know, wholesale and retail banking. So I think we're quite optimistic as we come out of COVID in the European economy in particular, that uh, lending growth will resume. It's fascinating what you say about uh, uh, business banking being a little bit patchy. Does that indicate some early signs maybe that we've seen the best of the economic rebound? Um, not really. I think the, the economic rebound is, is still going strong. In certain economies, I think customers' uh, loan demand are still a little bit uh, weaker than what we expected at this time of the quarter. But I think it's more due to the fact that maybe some are delaying their CapEx plans to a little bit later this year or beginning of next year. Or it could be that some of the supply chain uh, challenges that we, they face, they're delaying a bit their investments. But I think this is temporary and that resumption of growth will, will uh, come back in the coming period. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your views on how the bank's faring at the moment. Tanata Futrakal, the CFO of ING. All right, let's turn to Deutsche Post, who also delivered earnings this morning. Deutsche Post reported 20 billion euros in third quarter revenue, with the company warning freight rates are still expected to normalize. The German carrier uh, Courier has raised its full year EBIT target as well as its midterm outlook for 2023 to more than 8 billion euros. Very pleased to welcome Frank Apple, CEO of Deutsche Post DHL Group, to the program. Frank, great to speak with you again. Um, Looks like quite a strong set of numbers when you look at the fact that you were able to raise your guidance for the year and also midterm, how much of that strength is down to pricing? Give us a breakdown of what's happened over the last three months. Yeah, I think we had a very good, very, very good quarter. Um, you know, not surprisingly, because B2B recovery is in, in full swing and and volumes and B2C e-commerce are still on a higher level and, and, and developing well. 
you know, that makes us confident that we will see also a, a good Q4. I think, you know, the world is recovering from the pandemic and that will proceed in the next uh, years as well. And that's the reason why we raised our outlook for 2023 as well. Frank, how are you managing on the logistics front with all the ongoing port congestion? Yeah, so this is actually where, where we are demanded somehow as a logistics company. You know, why we have uh, such a tight supply chain? Because we have seen a tremendous surge in volumes. Yes, and, you know, the infrastructure not everywhere in the world is fit for these high growth rates. And that has led to some shortages and some, um, you know, tight situations. But that's our job to manage that for our customers. The feedback we get from our customers is very positive. We help them really with our global platform to get through the crisis. Things will over time normalize again. You know, like things people said, you know, 12 months ago, we will never get back to normal. We have seen a tremendous recovery. And now we will adapt to that as well. And things will normalize in the next quarters. So that is not really surprising. If you think about what has happened, that we had a massive drop in demand from customers and consumers, and now we had a massive surge. So the, the challenge is for, for companies to find a partner like us who are capable in managing their supply chain. But when do you see those supply chain pressures peaking, especially when it comes to that port congestion? Because you hear from companies all over that this is the real um, barrier to their performance. But it sounds like you may be a little bit more optimistic. So I'm curious how to square the circle. Yeah, I think, you know, what is important is that governments are understanding that investment in infrastructure is key, but that will not solve the problem. You know, the, the fundamental issue is that not everywhere in the world sufficient amount went into infrastructure. You have still the discussion in the U.S. I think Europe can do much more as well, and that has led to the shortage in capacity. You know, if demand is normalizing, and that definitely will happen in 2022, we expect a growth probably around 3%, you know, then things will normalize as well. You know, in these moments when uh, demand is rising, people even order more than they need, actually, to fill their warehouses. And then they say, oh, we have now more stuff so that we are avoiding shortages in supply. Um, so and I think this is all this, you know, peaking and then it will normalize in the course of the next year. Of course, we still have constraints of capacity, so rates will not come down immediately. But over the course of the next year, things will definitely normalize. Hey, Frank, so, so very briefly, your price rises are outpacing your cost increases. You know, I think, you know, what we have done is we have really reflected the, the higher cost in our express business, for instance. You know, we are flying significantly more dedicated freighter. Uh, belly space is not there and freighters are more expensive. And we have put that on top of our prices. And customers understand that. We have not raised prices to the extent that we could because the market is so tight. I think we are just following our cost structure. What we see in our P&L is the leverage of the network. And if you pump more volume through the network, you really see a very good return. And that is what you can see in our results across the divisions. It is not a result of horrendous price increases. It is really, uh, you know, the, the capability of leveraging our capabilities in the best possible way and have use, usage and utilization of our networks. So, so can I put you in the Jay Powell camp then that prices normalize going forward? This is a transitory inflationary phase, or do you see something more stubborn? No, I agree to that. I think this is a temporary effect that we will see normalization uh, over time again.
Can I ask you um, where we're going in terms of the um, the Evan business in particular? Um, my colleague Juliana's just come back from Glasgow attending the COP event. I know you've been very engaged in doing what you can to reduce emissions in the business at the moment. You've uh, you've got the Evan business here. We've also got very dramatic spikes in fuel costs. Is that speeding up? you're planning around getting more electrification in your fleet? So overall, I think it's great to see that the world is really moving. I think business has really accelerated and is, you know, the train has left the station and is gaining speed. Our customers are demanding to reduce their carbon footprint. They look for partners who reduce their scope free, which typically we are as a logistics provider. That enables us to really get into that field. We have committed already earlier this year, 7 billion until 2030. We are now buying sustainable aviation fuel. We are looking for partners to enlarge our uh, e-vehicles. And I think that will continue. I think the, the, the world is really now on the right path. I'm deeply convinced that this is the case. Frank, how are you finding it to find and retain drivers? Are you having to pay up to uh, acquire and retain your staff? So first of all, it's a good that we have not an employment problem around the world, uh, that labor is in demand. That's great news, actually, because that enables more people to have a proper life. Second, of course, we have to deal with that. In some markets, you have to increase um, you know, salaries. In others, the markets are not so tight. You know, it's not everywhere the same. But overall, I think that's normal. You know, if you have more demand, you need more people. And if there's a shortage, you have to pay more. And that is actually what is happening. Right, Frank. We'll leave it there. Thanks for joining us this morning. Frank Apple, CEO, Deutsche Post DHL Group. Still ahead on Squawk Box, we've got Siemens Health Nears fourth quarter earnings beating expectations, capping the record-breaking year. CEO Bern Montag is with us just after this break. Uh, and just a reminder, if you miss any of our earnings conversations and coverage this quarter, you can always check out the Squawk Box podcast wherever you download your podcasts. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Quick look at the Commerce Bank numbers. This is uh, Manfred Knopf's organization. He's been steadily trying to attack the cost side of this business with the big job cuts that were announced and the restructuring. And the bank hoping to be back in a growth uh, uh, arena. Um, The group saying it expects a positive operating result and net profit for the full year. The net result, uh, a lot better than the 253 million euros the market had been looking for. We got an operating result of 472 million and a net profit of uh, 403 million euros. The uh, group says um, the bank is now expecting a risk result of less than 700 
million euros. Uh, the company uh, giving us uh, an operating result of more than uh, a billion euros then for the nine months and a more positive outlook for Germany's second largest listed public bank. Siemens Healthineer's fourth quarter earnings have beaten the company provided analyst top and bottom line estimates. The company posted a record 18 billion euros in revenue for the whole fiscal year with comparable growth of 19%. Bern Montak joins us now, CEO of Siemens Healthineer's. Um, Bern, thank you for, for taking the time to speak with us this morning. So quite the year at Siemens Healthineer's. I mean, a record revenue, 18 billion euros. Pretty big chunk of that seems to have come from your um, COVID antigen test, just over a billion euros. Just characterize the final um, quarter of your fiscal year, the last three months. Yeah, so thank you for having me. And I'm really extremely proud uh, of what the team has achieved. I mean, in the fiscal year, uh, but also in this quarter, uh, we had uh, in the last quarter, again, double-digit growth, yeah, 14, uh, more than 14%. Um, and this is, let's say, boosted by the uh, rapid tests, but it is not only rapid tests. Yeah, So without um, the rapid test, it would still be double-digit and above 10%. Um, and I think what is really remarkable that all this has been achieved on the back of the pandemic and um, at the same time, uh, we um, integrated the biggest acquisition of the, um, in, in the history of the company and uh, the combination with various. I'm curious about your guidance and, and the sort of momentum going into fiscal year 2022. Um, if you look at the headline guidance you've given for revenue growth, it's fairly muted, zero to two percent. But when you exclude the COVID tests, um, much stronger revenue growth, five to seven percent expected. Where is the bulk of that growth going to come from? And um, why do you anticipate a slowing in the COVID antigen demand, given we're seeing the antigen tests used more and more? I just came back from COP where we had to take uh, a test every single day. Yeah, so um, the f first coming to the five to seven percent growth, which we guide for um, X antigen. I mean, this is across the board, across all businesses um, and, and all geographies. I mean, we are in a, in a very, very strong position. Um, we will um, continue to gain market shares in our, in our um, imaging advanced therapy um, in varying businesses, um, continue um, the growth path in diagnostics. Um, and um, we have um, a very, very strong order book, um, which will um, fuel this um, from the beginning of, of, of this fiscal year. I mean, again, in, in the last quarter, our book-to-bill ratio was, uh, was 1.17, so, um, so, so contributes to the future revenue growth. To your point on antigen tests, I mean, uh, we see certainly the the, um, the, the Prices in this business going going down, and also demand um, is going down um, given given the higher vaccination rate. We are currently not active in the um, in the U.S. market. Yeah, um, this may change, but in the guidance, um, we uh, we assume no presence um, in the U.S. market. So we are focusing on mainly Europe um, and are pretty. Um, certain that the uh, around um, 200 million we expect is 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 a is a is a good estimate.
Burn two follow-up questions there. One, um, are you planning to enter the U.S. market? And if so, where are you in that process? And two, you talk about market share. And I know a lot of investors are curious about your market share ambitions for diagnostics overall. So give us a sense of how you plan to uh, see your market share evolve. So, um I mean, first of all, when it comes to the question around this, I mean, we are uh, we are we are looking into um, getting getting um, getting an, um, the, the approval for our test also in the United States. I mean, we had to prioritize in the beginning, um, and we also um, see a little bit of a quote unquote traffic jam when it comes to um, um, approval processes. Yeah, so that it's a little bit um, beyond our control. Yeah, whether we uh, whether we can. Um, get um, access to the U.S. market in time or not. Yeah? So uh, the other topic when it comes to market uh, market share development, I mean, the, the history um, of the last years has shown yeah, that basically we can walk from strength to strength. Um, we are the company um, being able to invest most into R&D um, given our scale. We have the largest distribution network. We have the um, the best service and the most dense, uh, uh, the, the highest um, availability of, um, of from from spare parts to service engineers and building on that strength, yeah, on that on that innovation power and that customer satisfaction is what continuously um, drives our share gains. Bernd, can I ask you, we came into your numbers with a number of the brokers actually downgrading and they were arguing that there may be indications of supply chain problems in your numbers. I don't see any specific statement around that this morning, but I am interested. Are you struggling at all in any of the product lines as a result of supply chain concerns? So we we have been... um Always able in the last month, and I um, and we are very confident to be always to or to continue um, to manage um, the supply chain. Um, let's say difficulties which which are here. I mean, we are not um, we are we are a small serious production, so to say. We are not um, in the mass production, so we can uh, we can. Um, um, we can have detailed actions um, to um, to secure the supply, um, and these these difficulties, yeah, and a little bit of a of an of an headwind on on the cost side is baked into the guidance we give. Yeah, so from that point of view, there's this is. Uh, um, nothing to worry about when it comes to um, um, the guidance we give. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.